This morning's readings taken from Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 43 and a half, really. Um, so uh, Jesus predicts his death a second time. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them so that they did not grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. An argument started up among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and made him stand beside him. And then he said to them, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest. Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. For whoever is not against you is for you. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Steve. As Andy said, we're looking through Luke's gospel, the whole thing. Uh, we started just before Christmas. We had a break this Easter, we'll have another break when we get to Christmas, and we'll finish with the cross and resurrection next Easter. Uh, but let's pray that God will speak to us today through this passage. Lord God, our Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, you are one God and very great, as we've sung in our songs. You've done great things, nothing is impossible for you. But we praise you, Lord Jesus, that you left the glory of heaven and came to this earth to show us your love for us, to die on the cross for our sins, to make possible a way for us to know you. And as we read in this passage that the disciples didn't understand, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come and help us to understand, open our minds to understand what you're wanting to say to us, open our hearts to receive your word. And speak to each one of us, we pray. And for each one of us, would you show us another step we can take to get better at following you? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we have, for those who are fairly new to us at St. Paul's, over the last year we've reworked how we describe our purpose as a church. And following what's written in the bricks over my head, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We've described our purpose as following Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. For those of you who are new here, 
We are a church plant from St. Mary's, a mile or so to the south of us. Eleanor is down there at St. Mary's preaching and presiding while their vicar's on sabbatical today, our mother church. And the vicar there, it was his favorite text, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we are wanting to follow Jesus. We're wanting to follow his truth, to obey it, to understand it. We're wanting to learn to do it his way, not just to try and take his truth and do it a Western materialistic way, but to learn to do it his way. And we believe that as we live his truth his way, we will experience more and more of his life. And in the passage we've got today, there is a real clash between the way of Jesus and the way of the disciples, if you like, the world around them. Uh, Three particular things, we could call them values, where Jesus' values are different from the values that the disciples had. And just as we've reworked our purpose as a church and we've reworked our vision that over the next 10 years we want to give everybody in the area uh, a meaningful opportunity to respond to the good news of Jesus, doing that together with others, uh, we're looking at a PCC at our values, how we word those. We never we came up with a list of all Jesus' values. It would be so long we'd, <laughs> we'd never remember it. But we're thinking, what are the things we really want to value? And I think some of these things in this passage today are really central to what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, So we'll be looking at three ways, uh, three aspects to the way of Jesus. Uh, Just before we get into that, Luke 9, where we are, is a real hinge in the gospel. Andy introduced it last week. The first eight chapters have all been saying, well, who is this man who can still storms, who can heal people, who can raise the dead, who can cast out demons. Who is this man who can feed crowds and teach with such authority? And last week we got to the point where Peter has this flash of insight, you are the Messiah. And from this point on, Jesus goes on to teach what sort of Messiah he has come to be. He's not a kick the Romans out and restore the glory days to Israel sort of Messiah. He hasn't come to usher in a geographical kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom where whoever bows their knee to him as Lord, whoever repents of their sin can be part of that kingdom, the great kingdom of God, uh, which has broken in now and will come in all its fullness when Jesus returns and lasts for all eternity. Uh, So in this hinge chapter of Luke 9, Jesus really starts teaching about the fact he's heading for the cross. So let me just recap last week, for those of you who've forgotten last week or who weren't here, uh, Luke 9, 20 to 24, we heard this. What about you, Jesus said, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you're God's Messiah. And Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. It would be so easily misunderstood at that point. He said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. So really the teaching is shifting. Now they've got who he is. Now what did he come to do? Uh, Then last Sunday evening, Daniel Rogers was preaching on the transfiguration. And in the heart of where Jesus met there on the top of the mountain, he met with Moses and Elijah, and he was transfigured to a brightness beyond what they could look at. And God spoke to them out of the cloud, the cloud of his presence. Uh, But let me just read to you a few verses from that. 
the passage just before the one we've got today. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him, went up to a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. And let's go on. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor. I love the way some of our spelling, by the way, is American and some of it is English. We've got some American guests with us today. If it's to make you feel very at home, we're spelling things your way a bit. For it. Uh, Moses and Elijah, they spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. The technical word, his departure, what Luke actually wrote, was they spoke about his exodus. So what Jesus was going to do in Jerusalem was a real fulfillment of what Exodus is a prototype for. Exodus in the Old Testament is a prototype of how God rescues his people, sets them free from an oppressor, and takes them to a promised land with a new relationship with God. Now Jesus is going to fulfill that, setting us free from sin, heading for the promised land that is God's kingdom for all eternity in a new relationship with God at the cost, not of a Passover lamb, but of Jesus. So all this is here in the hinge chapter. Once you get who Jesus is, he's starting to talk about his, the cross. Moses and Elijah have come to talk with him about that, and he's absolutely heading for it. And so the second time we get in our passage, as Steve read to us today, verse 44. Uh, it's the second time. He says, listen carefully to what I'm telling you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They didn't understand it. And in verse 51 of our passage, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out to Jerusalem. Some translations, he set his face like flint. He's heading for Jerusalem. So this is a real hinge chapter, and all these passages sort of coalesce as Jesus begins to head directly for the cross. He's got his disciples, his ministry's started, the people are wondering who he is, they've seen the love of God broken in. And now he's heading for the cross. Uh, so three contrasts um, today between the way of Jesus and the way of the world. And the first uh, point is this. The way of Jesus is the way of service and sacrifice. He is going to die for our sins. He's setting his face resolutely for this. This is why he left the glory of heaven. Uh, as Mark put it, and it's really good to read these passages alongside the other Gospels as it fills out the story, Mark said this, Mark 10, 45, uh, Jesus saying, even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The way of Jesus primarily is a way of serving and sacrifice. And that cuts against all of us. We would all love the way of Jesus to be a way of comfort <laughs> and ease, and it just is not like that. Uh, but the glorious thing, and we, Andy was preaching on this last week, so I don't want to say it too much, is that Jesus says, as we serve, as we give our life to him, so he gives his life to us. So let me recap another bit from last week. This is verse Luke 9, 23 to 25. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. That is the way of Jesus. It's a way of service and sacrifice. There is no other way to follow him his way. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. 
What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their soul or their very self? And this is one of the great paradoxes of Christianity, that as we choose to serve, as it feels like costly, costly to our time, costly to our wallet as we give to what's going on around the world, costing us, actually, Jesus gives his life. And when we try and look after ourselves and make life more comfortable for us and ease and say no to sacrifice and serving, actually something in us shrivels up and dies and we become less whole and less full of joy. Uh, The way of Jesus is primarily a way of serving and sacrificing. And my testimony down the years since I I bowed the knee to Jesus as Lord when I was 18. I'd known him before, but never really uh, known him as Lord over the last 42 years, has been that when I am giving and serving, actually I'm full of joy. And when I just sort of retreat and look after me, um, (laughs) I've become miserable, really. (laughs) It doesn't really work. The way of Jesus is a way of serving. And what feels like a sacrifice... When you look back on it, you think, well, that was fantastic. Uh, And we see God at work in us. It was worthwhile. There's an old Anglican collect that says, serving God is the way to perfect freedom. And our world thinks if you're serving anybody, you're not free, you're enslaved. But as we serve Jesus, actually we become who he's made us to be. Uh, So I'm not going to say more about that. Andy preached more about that last week. But... It ought to be, I hope it's one of the values of our church, that we are a church that wants to serve, that wants to give our time freely. If you've joined us and you haven't yet found a way to do that, we heard one this morning. The Wellbeing Cafe is looking for more people to serve on a Monday morning, particularly over the summer. Uh, there's a, if you're free on a Monday morning, there's a first serve for you to come and help join that team. Uh, but if you're not sure how to get involved in something, either here or through our mission partners in the town, or in some other way God's calling you, do come and have a chat with one of us, maybe the welcome desk afterwards or with me or Andy. Uh, I'm not going to say more about that first point because Andy preached a cracking sermon on it last week and it's on the website and on YouTube and you can listen to that there. The second point I want to take a bit longer over. And for those of you who are thinking, how long is he going to go on for today? The children went out early. Is he really going to go on all the way till 10 to? The third point will be quicker. Just, just so you know, something to look forward to. So the second point, uh, the way of Jesus is the way of humility. And here is the contrast between the disciples arguing about who's the greatest and the way of Jesus. So let's read these verses, verse 46 to 48. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it's the one who's least among you all who is the greatest. And here is such a contrast. I love the fact that Heather's chosen songs today that celebrate the greatness of God. And as we worship him, we come to a much healthier perspective of who we are, but the world around is far more concerned with our own own honour and prestige and value. And the way of Jesus is one of humility. Now again, Mark's Gospel fills this out a bit more. You get a bit more about Jesus and children. 
Uh, and Mark says, <laughs> Mark's much more embarrassing for the disciples. Jesus, they're on this journey, and Jesus says to the disciples, so what were you talking about on the way? He knows very well what they're talking about. And they were really embarrassed, Mark says, because they were talking about who was the greatest. <laughs> Telling Jesus that was really rather embarrassing. Uh, Mark's much more earthy. Mark is Peter's nephew, and he's telling us, he's telling us Peter's really honest about what was going on. Uh, so here they are, arguing about who of them is the greatest or will be the greatest. Now, in the ancient world, there was a real valuing and honouring of the great man, as in it was men rather than women in the ancient world. Uh, and they were held up, and certainly still quite in a lot of Eastern religion, there is this, still this great valuing of the big man, the strong man. And as we lose uh, our grip on Christianity in the West, the value of humility that we by and large hold is going. How else could America <laughs> elect Donald Trump <laughs> someone without a hint of humility? Or just this... And this tragedy this week we've seen in the newspaper of that submersible that went down to the Titanic and we've seen the emails of the people saying it's not safe and the person saying, how dare you question me, of course it's safe. Again, this pride that has led to the terrible deaths of those people in that submersible. Humility in the ancient world was not seen as a value. There was a study done got our Australian friends here today, you're like this at Macquarie University um, a generation ago, and I need to sort of respect for what happened in the first test to our, just bow to our Aussie friends, there are four to go, so, <laughs> but Macquarie University, that's a secular university in Australia, uh, 20 years ago or so, maybe a generation ago, did this study on when did humility become a value in the West, it wasn't a value in the ancient world, and yet today where you get a sportsman Who's, quite, who's very successful but modest. We really love them more than someone who just says that they're the greatest. When did this happen? And they did a, a whole secular study on it, and surprise, surprise, they came up with it, came in with Jesus. It's the value of Jesus and one that sacrifices for others. Uh, that humility was... It's not a self-evident value. You will talk to people in our culture who say, well, of course, this is a self-evident human value. It's not. All around the world, it's not. This is the way of Jesus. And it needs to define us as his people just as much. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit more about that. Jesus brings a child. He's not telling us to be childish. Obviously, we're to grow up into maturity, but to be childlike. Um, let's read, Mark fills it out a bit more. Mark 10, 13 to 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them but the disciples rebuked them when Jesus saw this he was indignant he said let the children come to me don't hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these truly I tell you anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it and Jesus took the children in his arms placed his hands on them and blessed them uh, Mark puts that pretty close together to the passage we've got where Jesus talks about welcoming children and there is so much about children we have to learn from. The way here in this passage, Mark, the way they receive. They don't try and earn gifts. You give them a gift at Christmas or birthday, and they don't say, well, thank you, Daddy, or 
grandma or auntie or whatever you are, what, just before I open this, what do I have to do to earn it? They just receive it. And God wants to give you a gift, the gift of forgiveness and eternal life, and we have to receive it like children. We can't earn it. But there's so much more. Children have this wonder about them. I've been really struck, uh, having been on holiday, just the wonder of God's creation and thinking about the stars and the sun. And, and the ancients, of course, would have seen the stars far more than we do. We live in uh, houses with electric lights and we don't notice them in the same way and we lose our wonder at what God has made. Well, you'll know that um, a couple of months ago I had a bit of vertigo, a little crystal just broke off in my ear and caused some BPPV it was and my whole system was disoriented this tiny little thing we're finely tuned and amazingly made and the adults around us often lose wonder we're too busy and children have this sense of wonder and asking questions and too often adults have communicated that they know all the answers and we don't and Jesus holds up children there's a humility to children they will Yes, they'll receive, they'll ask, they'll say why or how. There's a wonder, they'll take, you know, they'll trust you at your word. And Jesus says we're to welcome children. In this church, we really put a lot of our resources into our children's ministry, and God has blessed us with lots of children. Smaller today, because 60 of them are on the dads and kids camping, which makes life uh, much quieter today than normal. But there's so much we have to learn. And in God's eyes, the great ones are not the great ones of the world around, but the humble ones. Who are not, it's not, humility is not thinking too little of yourself. It's not really thinking about yourself at all because you're thinking of others. How can we welcome these children? How can we care for people that the world misses? Uh, so there is so much to say in the Bible about humility and I commend it to you as a study, but I got half a dozen references just to give you a flavor of how big a theme this is. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. If you find I wind you up, or someone else in the church does, praise the Lord, you have an opportunity to bear with me and be humble and gentle. It's God's giving you an opportunity to become more like Jesus. And the thing about being in a church family is we do do that. We tread on each other's toes. We wind each other up a bit. We are to be completely humble and gentle. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather that in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. In the same way you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders, but all of you, Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows grace or favour to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he might lift you up in due time. Now the way of Jesus is the way of humility but actually it's the way of blessing. If we humble ourselves, God wants to lift us up. It's the same if we sacrifice, we find our life. If we give our life, we find it. If we try and hold on to everything we've got, we find we're losing ourselves. If we follow the way of humility, God raises us up. Uh, we will see the same in a few chapters in Luke. Luke 14, 11. This is coming up and it comes again in Luke 18. Jesus says, For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And it's not just a New Testament theme. God is the same God, the old as the new. 
that famous verse in Micah, verse 6, 8, that's at the heart of the formal confession when we do a formal one. This is there. God has shown you what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Right there in the heart of the Old Testament prophets. And the Psalms are full of this as well. Just a couple of references from the Psalms that are many more. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sadly, it seems to take the Lord a long time to cast the wicked to the ground. His time scale is different from us, but he sustains the humble. Or Psalm 149, the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. So this is a big theme. It's part of what God values, and it's part of who Jesus is. Some of my favorite verses in the Bible, at the end of Matthew 11, Jesus gives this invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you. That means learn to live life my way, my values. Uh, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. This is who Jesus is. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, when we come to Jesus and we find it's a way of dying to ourself and sacrifice and humility, it doesn't sound attractive. And yet it's the way to life because we're made in God's image. And this is who Jesus is and who we're meant to be. And just one last one on this. We touched on Philippians 2 a moment ago. But Philippians 2, I think Andy might have quoted this last week, this early Christian song that Paul either wrote or quoted in Philippians 2 from verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And we go on. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The way of Jesus is a way of humbling, but it also leads to glory. But if you try to go for the glory, you'll find yourself being humbled. Uh, Jan, in the prayers, prayed for Bishop Christopher, who is a wonderful example. He's been our Darson Bishop for 15 years, a wonderful, godly man who has resisted all the power plays he could have played. And the king has now asked him to come and be Dean of Windsor, which is essentially chaplain to the king and the royal family there. Um, I'm thrilled for the king and the royal family. They have such a good man. Well, not just Christopher. Christopher and Charlotte there will live at the heart of Windsor to be chaplain, really, to the royal family. Uh, we're gutted losing him in this diocese for praying. The Lord knows. But... Christopher is a wonderful example, and I, th I was thinking, who would be a good example for me? And uh, just a, a fabulous example of a humble, godly Christian leader, not looking to his own interests, uh, who our king has recognized and exalted. Well, the king of kings loves humility and notices. Uh, so that was the second one. The first point, and they all overlap, of course, these. The way of Jesus is a way of serving and sacrifice. The way of Jesus is a way of humility. And thirdly, the way of Jesus is a way of generosity. And in this passage we got today, we notice it in the way Jesus handles people who are not part of his disciples or who are opposed to him. 
that is generous. Uh, so, verse 49 and 50. Uh, Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he's not one of us. <laughs> Don't stop him, Jesus said. Whoever's not against you is for you. Jesus has a generosity to others. Uh, the way of the world would be to control. We're going to do it our way. You're definitely going to do it our way. If you don't do it my way, then you don't do it. Uh, but this is a, there's a generosity. Or the next instant, James and John, who are known as the sons of thunder, we can see, we can see why from this incident. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and he went to another village. If people are opposed to you, let them be. Jesus tells us to look for a man of peace, look for a person of peace to offer the good news of the kingdom to. And if we're received, then we can tell more. If we're rejected, let them be, move on. There's a generosity. Now, usually when I'm preaching about generosity, it's in the context of giving, and we've got our gift day next week, and all the passages of give, and it will be given to you, and the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And all of that applies over this next week as we're thinking about the gift day. I pray there'll be lots of hilarity and cheerfulness as we give to the needs of our mission partners next week. But we need to be generous to those who oppose us or those who are just do their own thing. Uh, there needs to be a generosity that offers something on an open hand, and if people don't want it, we don't ram it down their throats. Um, we had some work done on our vicarage, great perk of the job of being a vicar is living in a vicarage, and we had some, uh, the diocese got some workmen in doing things for us, and I was just chatting to one of them, and he was sharing about quite a lot of his stuff. And I thought, well, Lord, how do I get the conversation on to you? And I just asked him, do you ever pray? And if he'd said, no, I'm not interested, I would have just left it at that. But actually, he responded, and we went into a really deep conversation. He wound up saying, I don't know why I'm telling you all this, I only just met you. But it's kind of, we offer things on an open hand. So here Jesus has sent his disciples ahead to a village. Where a village welcomes him, great, more. Where they say no, he's not going to call down fire from heaven, he's not going to ram things down their throats. Just let them go. We can be generous, we don't... We don't have to push what we're saying, but at the same time, we do need to offer it. So three ways of the way of Jesus. It's the way of serving and sacrifice. And uh, as we rework our values, so I can bring something to the PCC, I hope that we'll get that in there somewhere. It's a way of humility, which is not thinking too little of yourself. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he knew who he was. It's not thinking of yourself at all, really, but thinking of others, especially the least, those who are marginalised. Jesus using the example of a child. In our culture, it might be even more an older person, lonely and on their own, ignored by society. The greatness in the kingdom of heaven is looking out for them. Uh, and thirdly, it's a way of generosity. And I loved the fact that in all of those values, while they look costly, there's a promise. If you give your life, uh, Jesus gives it back for all eternity. If we humble ourselves, he will exalt us. And all those promises give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, that we looked at a few weeks ago.
so I think we need to turn some of this to prayer. Would you stand? Band, would you come back, ladies, to read us, lead us in the last song? We've got another song about the greatness of God coming up. And one of the best ways to be humble is to worship. It gets things in perspective that God is God and we are not. But let's just be still. Lord God, we bow before you. We marvel that Jesus left the glory of heaven at all, let alone to come and die on a cross. We praise you for his servant heart, his humility, his sacrifice, his generosity. And we know that we're made in your image, but that image is spoiled. And so we resist, we resist this so much. Forgive us, Lord, for our selfishness, our pride, our control. And come and fill us more with your Holy Spirit that we would become more like Jesus individually and together. So come, Holy Spirit and minister to your people here in the building, those watching online. Just take a minute quietly and allow God by his spirit to minister to us. he shared earlier about holding on to God's promises and we praise you Lord for your promise that you will exalt those who humble themselves give us grace to trust you not to try and exalt ourselves but as we look to give to others to trust you to look after us someone else had a uh, thought as we were coming for the Lord in prayer that someone here is having to let go of something that feels very painful and costly to have to let go of. If that's you, sense that God is with you and he knows and just humbly lay it down and trust him. If that's you, we'd love to pray for you later. But we pray for us as a church, dear Lord, that at St Paul's we would become more and more like you, that we would be known for a servant-heartedness, a humility, and a generosity, among other things. And as we seek to follow Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, we pray that you will build your kingdom here, that he will grow his church as he's promised to do, and that everyone in this area will have the opportunity to respond to the good news in the years that come. And all these things we pray in his name. Amen. There'll be an opportunity to pray with someone after the service. Andy will explain how that will work, if you'd like that. But let's, in proper humility as God's creatures, let's worship him, the Lord who is our creator and our saviour.